All right, we're glad you're here, and we're looking forward to our time in the Word of God. Let's open the Word now to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll read a portion of this chapter and uh, see what God has for us this morning in the New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And uh, we're excited about serving the Lord and all He has for us. We're glad you're here. All right, you found your place. Let's stand together then for the reading of God's Word. We'll have prayer, and then we'll begin reading in this passage in verse 15. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. Let's pray together, and we'll begin reading there in just a moment. Father, how we thank you for the privilege to gather together in freedom and liberty and worship you. We thank you, Lord, for the uh, privilege to have Christian friends and a church family, a place to gather and to be instructed and encouraged. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for your word today. We'd ask, Lord, during this time that your, that your Holy Spirit would have his way, Lord, in our hearts and our minds. We pray you just remove all distractions. We pray you just help us to focus on your word these few moments. And we ask, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts and teach us what you'd have us do in our lives as a result of what we hear today. Uh, Lord, we pray that we'll just leave here with a, with a, with a plan and uh, after this huddle, that we'll know what, what the plays are, and we can go forward and serve you well and carry out your will in our lives. So we pray you teach us, speak to our hearts, Lord, encourage us, instruct us, correct us, whatever the case might be. And uh, Lord, draw us close. We ask you to do that now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 15, the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his." And let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor, and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee ye also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. I want to call your attention to verse 15, the beginning of our text. And I want you to notice that verse again. Let's, let's read it one more time. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Notice he says, a workman. I want to preach on that thought this morning. A workman in the word. 
a workman in the word. Thank you so much. You may be seated. This is an interesting passage to me because the Apostle Paul is instructing Timothy. Timothy was his mentee in the faith, his young student, his disciple, if you will. Now, Paul had many of those. He had many of those type of students, Titus and Philemon. He had Luke. He had others that traveled with him uh, in, in an entourage, you might say. And he's always greeting different people, and he's always, uh, you know, sending this guy here and that guy over there. In this case, though, this is the pastoral epistle of Timothy. And Paul is writing a letter to Timothy now as a young person in the faith who's coming up kind of behind him and is now preaching and in the ministry himself. So he's instructing him. And he writes these words. Now, we got to understand through preservation that the Lord captures these words, not just for Timothy, but for all of us. And so we get our instruction from this passage as well. This isn't just for Timothy. It's not just for preachers. This is for believers. And that's why God put it in the Bible. Notice what Paul says. He says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Think about this passage. Paul compares a student of the word to a skilled craftsman in the trades. He's talking about a workman in the word. You know, we really don't think of people who study the Bible well. We don't think of them as craftsmen. But in a way, they are. We think of, uh, you know, a lot of times preachers will say, they'll say they are wordsmiths. Instead of a blacksmith, you know, shaping metal, they're shaping words and presenting sermons and, or, or maybe Bible lessons in a Sunday school class or something like that. But, you know, there is still some similarities between someone who knows how to function in the word and someone who knows a trade. Paul makes that comparison. Maybe you've never thought about it that way. Maybe you've never thought about the Christian life that way. Um, I, I don't always, but coming across this passage, I thought, you know, this is a pretty good comparison. And Paul uses this comparison to instruct young Timothy in the faith. This is, this is good instruction for all believers. This is good instruction for, for everyone who wants to follow the Lord. When we think about a craftsman and we think about the comparisons that are being made here, there are some things that come to mind. And this is exactly what Paul intended when he made this comparison in the scriptures. Just as we would think about a craftsman, Paul is saying, think about this workman in the word. So as we make the comparison this morning, we notice <clears throat> that a workman develops his competence. Now that's something that we know about every craftsman. They develop their skills. They, they work at learning their trade. And when we're thinking about this comparison of believers to a craftsman, I thought, you know, isn't this great? Could you imagine? Look, what if Christians, what if Christians approached the Christian life? What if they approached coming to church like craftsmen approach their job? Man, can you imagine that? It'd be weird, wouldn't it? You know, you know, people who are dedicated to their job, you know, they do weird things. They do stuff like this. They go to work like 30 minutes early. Yeah, they show up before the time. 
They just want to be there, ready to punch in, ready to go to work. Sometimes, if the environment allows it, sometimes they'll actually go ahead and start working. You know, like before they're supposed to. Isn't that something? Hey, what would church be like if you had to come extra early because people were coming 30 minutes early to get a good seat? Wow, that would kind of change the atmosphere in the room, wouldn't it? You know, hey, craftsmen, you know, they bring their A game to work. I said they do weird things like start and work before the time, right? And they do. Hey, you know, they do, th- they do weird things like, like get, doing their best. They do weird things like, like training other employees in their department or on their crew, making sure everybody knows what to do and they have all their tools and all of that kind of thing. What if we worked that hard at communication, and caring for other people and make sure everybody else knows what to do. Discipleship, man, would, would just be natural, wouldn't it? We wouldn't, we wouldn't feel like that was work at all. Hey, you know, people, people that are dedicated to their craft, you know, they're trying to learn new skills. They're trying to learn how to do their job better. They're eager to get advice and tips from other people who do what they do. You know, they don't reject all of that and They don't look at it as unsought-for counsel. That's almost like a dirty word, you know? And I think sometimes we have the wrong attitude about this thing. So Paul makes this comparison to a craftsman. And when he does, it sheds light on us as believers how we ought to approach our life and our faith. And it's not just on Sunday when we ought to be willing to show up early and give a little extra, bring our A game to church. But, you know, we ought to be willing to do that during the week. We ought to be willing to live our faith out at work and other places where we find ourselves between Sundays. I believe God does his greatest work in the lives of believers who serve the Lord between services. You know, God wants our light to shine in the world. He wants our influence to make a difference in this place. We look around in our day and the world seems like a crazy place. Terrible things are happening and we're we're shaking our heads saying, what is wrong with people? Maybe what's wrong with them is the absence of influence from Christian people. Maybe we haven't, been, been, we haven't done as good of a job as we think we've done at shining our light in this dark place. We need to live for God more than we ever needed to live for God in this day. And by the way, when you're in a dark place, it don't take much light for everybody to notice. You don't have to, you know, do backflips to stand out. When you're in a dark place, just a little spark is visible. Everybody sees that. And you know, all we have to do is try and be sincere to live the Christian life. And we too, like a craftsman, we can develop our competence. So guess what? That's what we should do. In this verse, verse 15, notice what Paul said. He said, study to show thyself approved. Well, we know what we're studying. It's this book right here. Right. And I've often said to Christians, I've said in the past, and this is true, whatever, whatever kind of student you were in school, that's probably what kind of Christian you're going to be. Why? Well, because we get all our information from a book. It's a little bit academic. Sorry, but that's the method God chose to communicate his message to the world. Now, fortunately, for people who don't read well or don't like to read, fortunately, there are church services like this. And there are Sunday schools and revivals and missions conferences. And, and, and there are people who can explain the page to us in person. 
right? That's why we, that's what we call discipleship. And we have that to take advantage of. But the truth is, none of us should make excuse for not learning what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, the opposite. Look, look, you don't go to work and make excuses. Nobody wants to do that. We want to go to work and make a difference. We want to go to work and and give our best. We want to go early and do extra and all that. Say, why are we doing that? Well, because I want to get noticed. Because the next time a promotion rolls around, hey, I want that. The next time that raise rolls around, me, 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 right here. I, I want them to think of me. I want my name to be at the top of the list. You know what? As a believer... We should want God's approval and recommendation and recognition that much. So that we're living our life as a Christian and and we're studying God's word so that we can show up for the Lord like that. So what what did Paul say? He said, study to show thyself approved unto God. God's the one that we're trying to get recognition from. He's the one that we're trying to get approval from. That'll come later. But, But you and I have this challenge to study. And to learn the Christian life. Instead of making excuses, we, we need to find a way. And we need to get busy in the word. Now, you know, <clears throat> as a church family, you know I've, I've dealt with that subject of reading and studying. And I've, and I've in the past, made good recommendations of, of other ways to do it. Like using the Bible app on your phone. <clears throat> if you download the Bible app, you can have it read it to you. So if you're like me, when I started out, reading, came, reading was difficult. It wasn't fun. People would say, oh, you can read a chapter in 10 minutes. Well, it'd take me an hour. My reading skills were a little bit lower when I started. I had to really work on that. So what did I have to do? I had to do what he said. I had to really study. Where other people could just kind of fly through there and, and then explain it to everybody. And I was having to read it two or three times before I just understood the message. And then I had to think about it some more before I could ever explain it. It just came a little harder for me. But I didn't make excuse. Instead, I just put more time into it to overcome the hurdle that I had. My hurdle was nobody else's fault. It was my fault. It was my problem. It was my challenge. And so I had to overcome that. And you know what? You have challenges. And I'm going to have challenges. And Paul had challenges. And he told Timothy, you're going to have challenges. You know, but it's, it's up to us. Who we are is going to determine how we respond to those challenges. Somebody said this one time, the test of your character is what it takes to stop you. And I'm going to remind you this morning, we're Christians, we have, a, we have an enemy out there whose mission it is to stop us. Are you going to let him? Are you just going to let him put a little stick in your spokes and flip you over and stop you from your race right there? Is that going to be the end? Are you going to put up more of a fight than that? Are you going to get back up and jump over the hurdle and go to the next one? Right? We have to be determined to follow the Lord. So a workman develops his competence. Notice he talked about rightly dividing the word. We have to understand it in order to do that. And it's a process. Let me show you how a workman develops his competence. In verse 15, He studies the truth. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God. He didn't say this, but it's implied. What's he studying? Well, he's studying the word. He's studying the truth. Somebody said one time, if you want a spot of counterfeit, what you do is you study the original. 
You don't study all the counterfeits out there because they're always coming up with a new counterfeit. You study the original. You get to know the original so well that you can spot a phony. That's what they do with money, by the way. They study the real thing, and that helps them spot the phonies. Because when you know the truth, then error just kind of stands out on its own. And that's another thing. To develop your competence, you study the truth and you shun error. Look at verse 16. He said, but shun profane and vain babblings. Arguments and, and, and discussions that don't help anybody, that don't lead anywhere. Hey, you know, there's a lot of people that just like to debate stuff. And they're just always, they're always talking and arguing their point and, and theorizing. But you know what? If, there, if there's no profit in that, God said, stay away from that. That's not going to help you or them, right? And by the way, when we're talking uh, uh, to the lost people or sometimes, sometimes in front of lost people, you know, you can win the debate and lose the argument. That's why I encourage Christians, look, don't get in arguments with other believers or even cult members about doctrine at work. Because you've got lost co-workers looking on. They think we're all the same. And we get in a bad spirit and start arguing. And the lost people just get turned off to all of us. And they just walk away from the Bible and they say, I don't want nothing to do with all that. <clears throat> so we need to be careful. Shun error. <clears throat> Stay away from that. Don't get into those debates. Why? Uh, because they don't serve you well. All right. I was thinking about this. If you're going to study, it means you're going to learn. It means you're going to grow. In order to study the word of God, you've got to know some things. There's three levels of knowledge that you need. As you study and develop your competence in the Bible. So if you're new or or if you're if you're if you're not aware of the Bible, you've never read it. You haven't been to church much or anything like that. Let me, let me just lay this out for you, okay? The first phase of knowledge is going to be information. The first thing you need to learn is what's in the Bible? Who is it about? You're going to learn names of people like Adam and Eve, Moses, Noah. And you're going to find out what happened in those situations. And the Bible is not really stories about them as much as it is uh, one big story about God. And when you learn about all those people, you're going to see how God interacted with them. And that's the purpose. That's the reason behind it. That's what God wants you to learn. He he really is revealing himself to us through his word. So the first thing you're going to learn is a lot of information. A lot of facts about the Bible, places and people and events and what happened. so that when we say Noah, you know he's the one that built the boat. And Moses, he's the one that led the people to the promised land, right? Because people who haven't read the Bible, they've not been to church, well, they get those mixed up. They don't know who was who, who did what. And, you know, they might think, well, maybe it was Elijah that built the boat. No, 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 he was later, much later, all right? So we see the stories of the Bible. That's the first level of information. Then there's a second level of knowledge. 
once you get the information down, guess what comes next is application. Okay, you learn what the Bible said. Now you need to learn what it means. What does that mean to me? What do I do with this? Why did God tell me those stories? How is it going to help me in my life? That's application. And we need to know the sense or the practical application, how to obey the Bible, what to do with all this information uh, that we have. And then the third, the third level of knowledge as you study as a believer, you get into the themes and the theology of the Bible. Now, this is, a, this is the deeper end. This is the deep end of the pool. You don't have to go this far if you don't want to. There's a lot of people that dive down deep and never come up. Okay, they just love it. That's great, wonderful. Because there's a lot of good stuff over here. These are the people that, this, is, this area, that's information, and in the middle is application. This area, this is interpretation. Now, interpretation helps you at least to get a little bit into it so that you know the difference between truth and error. This area teaches the message of the Bible. What did, it, what did God, what was he really saying to the world when he gave us his word? What message was God sending? The Bible says this, that the scriptures are not of any private interpretation. What that means is that, you know, all of us should read the Bible and we should come away with the same basic idea. So beware of people that are out in left field somewhere coming up with truth nobody's ever seen before. Okay, Watch out. That's a little red, red flag waving right there. <clears throat> There's only one interpretation of the scriptures. The whole message of the Bible centers around the theme of redemption. The Bible is the story of how God created man and how man got away from God through sin and how sin has to be punished because God is just and holy. And to satisfy His holiness and His justice and still save man at the same time, God sent Jesus to die on the cross to make that payment once and for all for the sins of mankind so that God could redeem or buy them back to himself. God couldn't go back and undo sin in the garden. That would violate the free will of man that he gave us. So he sent Jesus to die in our place to pay our price of sin. And when we accept that payment... He redeems us to himself. The Bible says we become born again. Now we're part of God's family to live forever with him in heaven. It kind of goes back to the original purpose of why God created man in the first place. He created us to fellowship with him. And that's why we get our most fulfillment. That's why we're the happiest when we know the Lord and live in his will. That's why the psalmist said, Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. You know, it doesn't take long being in church and learning the Bible, having accepted Christ as your Savior. It doesn't take long to figure out that God's way really is the best way. 
And these are the things that we learn when we develop our competence, our competence in this book. The skill of understanding the Bible. We need to develop that. Have you? Have you passed that part? The next thing a workman does is he displays his confidence. He displays his confidence. Now the Bible says in verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God. Notice that word approved. Now we think about education and certifications. We think about accreditation and all that. Well, what is all that? All of those are different words for approval. Those words mean we gained approval from somebody, from somewhere. Some organization recognizes us. Now, the believer longs to be recognized from God. We want God's approval. And, and what do craftsmen do with those certifications and all of that stuff? Well, they post it. Man, they hey, hang that on the wall. Well, I've got a card in my wallet. I'm going to show you. I've got it. I've got the approval from such and such, whatever organization, right, that it needs to be. And so we, we, we delight in that. We show that. The workmen of God needs to seek God's approval, which comes from our obedience to his word. We get that approval in this second category, this application stage, where we learn the information, and then we learn how to apply this information to our lives. We start living what we've learned. That's when we get that approval that he's talking about. So he's displaying his confidence. So how does a believer display that confidence? We don't have a card. We don't have a certification to carry around. So how do we show that we have that approval? How do we show that we've gained this knowledge right here? Well, we show it in practical everyday life. So the believer shows this confidence, first of all, in his lips. Notice what he said here in our text. Look at verse 16. What did he say here? Shun profane and vain babblings. Now, you know the word vain. Profane is, profane is bad. The word vain means worthless or empty. And babblings, well, you, you know, that's like a lot of talk that means nothing. Right? So first, the workman has to be able to identify that's the kind of talk that's being, that's, that's being given in order to be able to separate himself from it. Because what is the workman supposed to do? Shun this. You know, we really have to work on that, don't we? Living the Christian life, it is kind of like being a craftsman because it takes work. Hey, you know, sometimes we get in conversations and we just find ourselves right in the middle of some babbling going on here. Gossip and slander and all kind of things. And as a Christian, we've got to figure out how do I get... How do I back out of this? Right? This is not the right conversation that I should be involved in. And we have to learn how to shun that. We don't have to disrespect the people. Sometimes it's lost people doing it. Guess what? Don't expect more than that from them if they're lost. If they don't know the Lord is their Savior, then they're not following this. They have a different agenda for their life. Don't you notice that this world is on a different track than us? They have different goals, different values. They have different things that are accepted, things that for us are not acceptable. The Bible says that you and I are supposed to submit ourselves to God so that we can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, 
that means that in, in God's agenda, there are things that are acceptable to him, and that's how we get approved. That means there's things that are not acceptable to God. And if you want God's approval, you have to know what that is and stay away from it, right? So in his lips, what he speaks. So I want to ask you this morning, what do you speak? What kind of conversations do you have? Look at verse 17. By the way, verse 16, why, why do we shun these babblings? It says, because they will increase unto more ungodliness. That's where it leads. Verse 17, and their word will eat as doth a canker. He's talking about worms eating a plant, right? There are things that eat away at us and eat away at our faith. And we can't be welcoming that stuff. That's not good. And then he said, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying the resurrection is past already. What happened? Listen. Remember what we said about interpretation, understanding God's message of the Bible? They didn't. They were teaching it wrong. They were saying the resurrection's passed already. Hey, you guys missed it. And it was overthrowing the faith of some. It was discouraging people and causing them to walk away from the faith. So they were becoming, they were being actually instruments of the enemy instead of instruments of the Lord. They weren't edifying anybody with their message because they had the wrong message. Now, people don't like us when we do it. But sometimes we have to point out the people who are preaching the wrong message. We have to do that because there are people that are still in this information stage that haven't made it to the interpretation stage, and they don't know any better. And they think, well, because this guy's quoting the Bible, he must be right. But they're not all right. Because they're not all interpreting the Bible the way God intended for it to be interpreted. And because of that, they come out with messages that kind of go against what God intended. And they lead people astray when they preach those messages. And that's why you hear some preachers calling people's names and, and saying, that guy's a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's a false prophet, stuff like that. Now, there's a wide variety of people out there, preachers too, and, and, and they may do it in a spirit that you think is harsh or whatever, but I'm encouraging you to look past that and realize that they mean well. They're trying to just keep innocent believers from following the wrong person and the wrong message, right? <clears throat> so let's just thank God that they're given the warning. And look with me at verse 23. Notice what else he said about the talk that we're around. He said, but foolish and unlearned questions. What did he say to do? Avoid them, knowing that they do gender strifes. In a previous ministry where I was at, there was a guy who liked to ask questions. And I always took that serious, and I tried to give him a good answer because I felt like he was really searching. After a while of dealing with him, I realized he, he wasn't really... He was searching, all right, but he wasn't sincerely searching for truth. He was searching for just a little gap that he could get his little crowbar in and pry some division. His questions had the wrong motivation. He wasn't asking questions to learn the truth. He was asking questions to overthrow 
the position. He was actually questioning truth with his question, kind of like the devil did in the Garden of Eden. God said, don't eat that tree. And the devil came along to Eve and said, is that really what God said? Go back and read his questions. Well, he asked some pretty slick questions. Did, did, did God really say, don't eat this? Then he told her some lies. Like, you know, if you really eat this, you're going to be like God. That was a lie. You're going to know good and evil. Well, what he didn't say, and by the way, the devil never tells the whole truth. And you've got to watch out for people like that who only tell you a, a partial truth, just enough truth for you to believe it. Right? And you ought to have a lot of practice learning that because it's on TV a lot these days. Okay? But look. The devil came along, gave her a little bit of truth. You're going to be like God. You're going to know good and evil. But he did not tell her how she was going to know evil. Oh, listen, Eve, you're about to experience it. You're about to know it in a way that you can't unknow it. And when you know it this way through experience, there also is going to come consequences. Oh, he didn't tell her about that at all, did he? Oh, no. And by the way, the world's full of that. It's the devil's master plan. He knows how to manipulate us. Listen, the traps of the world never talk about the consequences. Look, it's kind of like when you go fishing. You take the hook. You don't just throw the hook in the water. Fish are too smart for that. Right? You got to cover the hook up. You got to decorate it. Right? You got to hide that hook. You got to make them think it's something else. It's not really a hook. It's really something else. And then when they bite it, guess what? It's a hook. And you say, gotcha. (laughs) And that's how you reel them in. Hey, you know, the devil's been reeling us in for thousands of years with the same tactic. And by the way, he, he knows what to use. He knows how to cover it up. He, he, look, he knows about all the little flashy colors. And he knows about all the smooth sayings and the things that we will fall for. He knows what they are. He's got them in his tackle box. And he's been using them on mankind for thousands of years because they work. And this is why we have to study. This is why we have to get good at doing the will of God so we can, we can see Oh, that's a lure. That's a lure of the devil. He's trying, to, he's trying to get my flesh involved in this for me to make a choice that's ungodly, right? He's trying to manipulate you. Look what the Bible says in verse 23. It says, avoid these questions that create strife. How do you know a question is going to produce strife at the end? Well, you're not going to know that till you study a lot, till you can recognize some things, till you have enough insight to know where this is going, where the path leads. Well, also in verse 24, it says, The servant of the Lord must not strive, be gentle to all men, apt to teach, patience. Watch this, verse 25, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. You You know what we're doing as Christians? We're taking the word of God, and we're trying to teach it to people who are doing things against their own self. That's what it says. Look, they're opposing themselves. Look, they're taking the bait 
They're, they're biting on some things that's going to hurt them in the end. And here we are trying to share God's message with them so that they can, so they can see beyond that, so they can know to do better. We're trying to help people who can't see that what they're doing is hurting themselves. It's going to bring about their demise. How do we do this? The Bible says we do it in meekness. We do it with patience. We remain calm. And we lovingly come to them and say, hey, God has a better way. God has a better plan for your life than this. What you're doing, this path you're on, leads to destruction. But if you'll change course, John 5, 24, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Oh, that's a great verse. If we'll just accept Jesus and go with God, hey, we can get on the path of life and we don't have to head to destruction. But our challenge is we're trying to reach them at a time when when they're doing self-destructive things. That's pretty hard because they don't know the difference. Notice he says, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. How do they do that? Back up and read verse 25, the second part. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Repentance comes through conviction and conviction. By the way, conviction is the awareness of truth. And that comes from the word of God. So when we tell people God's words, then the Holy Spirit is able to bring conviction in their heart, the awareness that they're wrong, the awareness that the path that they're on leads to destruction. And when they see it for themselves, the light comes on and they say, oh no, what have I been doing? Oh no, this path leads to destruction. I got to get off of here. That's repentance. And the first chance they get, boy, they want to get on God's path. They want to get on the highway and they want to follow Jesus. That's the repentance that we're hoping to help them find. And it comes through the truth. And what happens when they repent like that? Look, verse 26, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Hey, you know, (laughs) did you read what I just read? The Bible says the devil is able to take people captive whenever he wants to. At his will, you. Look, if you don't believe that, look around. Sometimes I read the newspaper, I read the headlines, and I'm thinking, what in the, what in the world? It seems like a lot of people these days have drank the Kool-Aid, you know what I'm saying? And I'm just scratching my head, I'm thinking, wow, how are they believing this? The devil just took them captive, just like that. And if you know the Lord and you've learned some things from the Bible, you you see past that. You, You see the lure. But they don't. 
and they bite that thing, and they're all in, and it looks strange to you, and you're going, wow, how could they? What? I don't understand. It's because they don't have the light of the Word. They don't have the Holy Spirit. The devil has taken them captive. They are trapped. They are ensnared. And if God doesn't grant them repentance, if they don't come encounter the truth to shed light on their situation, they're headed for condemnation. People are doing things today that are ruining their lives. They're doing things that, you know, eventually you're going to cross a line where there's no return. But see, they don't know that. We know it because we're looking on. It's kind of like watching a football game. And you know everything that guy should have done. <laughs> but he's down there in the game. You know, he, he can't see past the guy that's trying to tackle him, you know. And it's easy for us sitting up on the bleachers to say, well, if he'd have turned left, well, if he'd have done this, if that guy would have thrown to this guy. It's easy to say that. But if you had been in the game, there's no guarantee you would have done it any different either. Because then you would have been seeing from the perspective that they're seeing the game through. So it's easy to sit on the sideline and criticize and wonder and speculate. They call it armchair quarterback. That's a nice name for living room gossip, you know, whatever. <laughs> but that's how we do it. We do that to other people too. What is she thinking? What's he thinking? Why did they do that? Because, sometimes, because we just get tricked by the devil. We don't see past, and we fall for it. And people in our world are falling for it, just like the Bible says they would in the end times. And now I understand why there's going to be a falling away and all that. We're seeing it happen before our eyes. It's like a magic trick or something. It's like the devil pulls something out of a hat. Whoosh. But this is where it comes from. Hey, you know what? The workman displays his confidence in his lips, but he also displays it in his life. Look at verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ do what? Depart from iniquity. And so we have a responsibility as believers. If we're seeking the approval of God then we, we, have to, we have to do that by showing it in the life that we live. Hey, can I tell you something? Look, it's not enough just to go to church. You can go to church, and that can be meaningless. If you don't take what you learn and go to the next stage and put it into practice. First is information and then application. You have to do what you know. Do we do what we know? The workman does. This was what Paul was saying to Timothy. Hey, Timothy, be like that craftsman who's displaying those certifications. How do you get a certification? You go to work and you do things a certain way, right? And you get tested on this. You have to know this and you have to do this because there's two parts to the test, right? The knowledge part and then the doing. They want to see you actually do this. Now there is some trust that when you that after you get that little card that you're going to keep doing it that way when you do your everyday job and you should. 
Just like we do, okay? We, we bring you in here and you get taught the Bible and all that and, and then you leave. And then what? And then we just trust that you're going to live out what you learned at church during the week. And we should. We should put it into practice in our life. Notice verse 22. It says, flee ye also youthful lust, but follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Hey, if you really meant it when you ask the Lord to save you, then you're going to be sincere in the way you live for him. It's kind of like that song we sing with the kids. If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. Not, not perfection. Nobody's perfect. We're all going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. But direction, right? Direction. Are you living your life for God? Are you going his direction? Or are you living it for the world? Are you going their direction? Are you headed for life? Or are you headed for destruction? That's not just something we should hold in our heads and our hearts, but that's something that should show in our life. And lastly, by the way, the workman knows the consequences. He not only knows the difference between truth and error, but he knows the consequences between truth and error. He knows where they lead. And that's what we want to make sure we understand. The last thing is the workman delights in his conduct. Let me just skip down to verse 20 and 21. The workman is two things. How does he delight in his conduct? Well, number one, he's a purged vessel. And number two, he's a prepared vessel. Look what the Bible says. Verse 20, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. All right, so there's two kinds of vessels, honorable and dishonorable vessels. The question is, which one are you? Which one are you? Look what Paul told Timothy in verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these. What are these? Well, if you go back up to verse 20, the last thing he talked about was the dishonorable vessels. So Paul is telling Timothy, if you want to be an honorable vessel, if you want to be used of God, purge yourself from these dishonorable vessels. Get yourself out of the dishonorable things in life. Purge yourself. Quit waiting on your parents to purge you. Quit waiting on your pastor to purge you. Quit waiting on God to strike you with lightning or something. Purge yourself from these. This is one of the steps of Christian growth. When you make the transition from knowledge, information, to application, you start doing what God has taught you, then guess what? It naturally happens. You begin to purge yourself from the dishonorable things, things that God does not approve of. Now look, when we stand up in a day like this, and when we say about some activity or some lifestyle, we say, that is wrong. The world automatically gets upset, angry with us, and says, Oh, you're a hater. <laughs> if you read the Bible, you know who the true haters are. The true haters are the ones that hate God. And they hate everybody that's following God. And they hate everything that comes from God. And if you begin to look like that, they're going to hate you too. 
Those are the true haters. We don't hate anybody. Just because I say this, this activity or this lifestyle is wrong, that doesn't make me a hater. It means I have learned some things. It means I have recognized where God draws the line. God's the one that said it was wrong, not really me. So if I say that's wrong, I'm doing it because of what the Bible says. If God said, don't do that, then it's not an alternative lifestyle. Alternative means you can do this or that. You have options, A or B or C, or however many options there are. But when God says, do it this way, not that way, and then you go to do it that way, the way God said not to do it, that makes it not an alternate lifestyle, but a deviant lifestyle. There's a difference. Because now that's not optional. Now that's rebellious. And for somebody who wants the approval of God, I'm staying away from that. I'm going to say that's wrong. Because God said it was wrong. Hey, guess what? If you want to win the game, you have to play by the rules. Life is a game that God made, and he made the rules. I'm just trying to play by his rules. But, you know, the world's trying to make up their own rules. You ever played a game with somebody like that to kind of make up the rules? Hey, uh, no, we do it like this. They always got a different rule, right? Something that's it's always convenient in their favor, right? <clears throat> It's funny, they never bring up a rule that goes against what they're doing. Well, that's how you're really supposed to play it. No, no, no. They don't do it like that. So we want to delight in our conduct. What does the Bible say in verse 15? It says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Hey, you don't have to be ashamed as a believer when you're living by God's rules. When you're doing what He said. When you're doing the will of God in your life, there's no shame. You have confidence and you delight in this path of living for the Lord, right? That's why David said, I delight in that, in that way. A purged vessel. You have to separate yourself from the dishonorable things, the things that are not acceptable to God. You know what? That's your choice. You can be like that. Or you can separate. But if you want to be a vessel that God's going to use, he's going to want you to separate. And so Paul is telling Timothy this. If you want to be a workman, and you want to have this kind of confidence, you want to delight in your conduct, then obviously your conduct has to be right. You know, a craftsman in the field who's confident and who delights in his work, he's somebody that does his work well. He does it right. He doesn't take shortcuts that compromise integrity. He doesn't build a building and two weeks later it falls down. Those aren't the kind of guys that have confidence. Those aren't the kind of guys that delight in their work. They delight in the paycheck they get. And they run from town to town looking for a paycheck until they get caught and thrown in prison. Right? Don't be that kind of Christian. 
We need to be the kind who delights in his way. A purged vessel and then a prepared vessel. Notice in verse 21, look at the last part. It says, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet. That word meet means suitable for the master's use. And what? Prepared unto every good work. How do you become a prepared vessel? By studying. It all goes back to that. Develop your skills. Develop your competence in the word. Because that is going to give you what you need to live the Christian life. It's going to give you what you need so that you can delight in your way. Let's look at one more scripture and I'm done. Same book, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Turn the page. Look at verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And what does it do for us? Look at verse 17. That the man of God may be perfect, that word means complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Hey, look, anybody that's ever been real serious right here in this second phase, you ever been real serious about living for God and trying to live what you learn? You're trying to apply what you know. You know, it's, it's, it's hard. There are times when it's extremely difficult right here. And sometimes you feel like, you know what? I don't have what it takes. Well, the truth is, none of us have what it takes to live the Christian life. If we did, we could do it without the Lord. But we don't. Where do we get what it takes? Verse 17 says that the man of God may be perfectly furnished. You know what a furnished apartment is? It's an apartment that has all of the furniture in it already. All the stuff you need to live there is in there. God gave us all the stuff we need to live the Christian life. It's in here. But we got to find it. We have to dig for it. We have to learn it. And then we have to live it. But it's available to every one of us. Like a good craftsman, it's in the toolbox. Hey, a good craftsman, guess what? He's got the tools. He uses the right tool for the job. You know what? God's given us the right tools to do everything we need to do for him. If you feel inadequate, that's on you. God wants to make up the difference. God wants to furnish you. And he does it through his word. So if you ever feel like you don't have what it takes, maybe it's, maybe it's because you haven't spent enough time right here. Maybe it's because you haven't studied like you should. Hey, you ever go in to take a test and you know you didn't study? Boy, that's not a good feeling. God says, hey, study. It's all right here. It's all right here. Hey, what if the teacher gave you a sheet? She gave you a handout said, hey, look, this is everything it's going to be on the test. It's all right here. Oh, I love it when they do that. Isn't it, Daniel, isn't that good? Oh, man. It's like, hey, if I just know this, I'm good. So easy. That's like the hack, you know, to passing the test. God said, okay. 
John said, if everything that were written should, you know, if everything were written that should be written, he said the world couldn't hold all the books. Well, that's why God only gave us this one. We got a hard enough time reading this one. So God condensed it all down to one document and said, here it is. Look, this is everything you're going to need. He gave it to us. Let's be a workman in the word. Let's put our time in. Let's develop our competence. Let's display our confidence in life as we live for the Lord. And let's delight in our conduct. Let's rejoice knowing that God's way is the best way. And let's do it with joy as we live for the Lord. That's the way to shine. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, how we love you today and how we thank you for your goodness to us. And we thank you for this comparison, this challenge of being a workman a craftsman of the Word of God. Lord, help us to develop the skills, to know and understand, and then to live and do what you've asked us to do. Lord, I pray that many of us will go on from there to be able to teach and explain and help other people on their way that we might turn back and help others. Oh, how we love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray.